could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey guys, welcome to episode 7 of Conquering Columbus. On this episode, we have Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington. In case some of you out there don't know who Kevin is, he's one of the most accomplished serial entrepreneurs that you'll ever meet. He's the inventor of the infomercial. He's launched over 20 different businesses, grossing over $100 million in sales each, including partnerships with the likes of Tony Little, George Foreman, and QVC, just to name a few. He's the author of two books currently, Key Person of Influence and Act Now, which you can find on his website. It'll be linked in the show notes. He grew Quantum International from an initial $25,000 investment to over $500 million in sales annually and a member of the New York Stock Exchange. Kevin has reached over 100 million people through his social media presence, and he's a prominent business thought leader. Today, he runs a private consulting business to help entrepreneurs take their products to market. He also has some uh, wrestling affiliations from back in high school, which we'll touch on throughout the episode. And without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Kevin. We just wanted to start this off with... A question about uh, how your morning was going and what your typical routine in a day looks like. Oh, well, that's great. Hey, good good to be with you guys today. Thanks for, for having me. And so my morning's going great. I, I get up early, uh, work out for a few minutes. Uh, I, I have like a little home uh, gym thing that I uh, work out of. Sometimes I go over to the, the, the I have a, another gym membership if I want more access to lots of equipment and stuff like to do heavier duty stuff. But, you know, because I'm on the road about, you know, two, three, sometimes more weeks out of the month, um, you have to learn how to do things, you know, in the in the comfort of your hotel room sometimes. And so, you know, it's funny being a wrestler and I know we kind of have a connection there in the wrestling world uh, of all of us. Um, Going back, you know, I, I wrestled back in the 70s, um, uh, high school. I was um, really loved it. Four years uh, varsity at the Cincinnati, Ohio Purcell High School. Um, and it was funny because, um, I, I, you know, now I do some of the same old things, you know, jumping jacks and sit-ups and push-ups and just stuff to get the blood flowing. You know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, 60 this year, so I feel good that I'm still – I'm the same weight I was when I graduated high school, and to me, it's important to start the day with a with a with a just get the blood flow in, get you know uh, a little high energy boost going, um, and um, you know I get a chance to catch up uh, a little bit from some of the things that came in over the night, and and look at my day, look at my week, look at my next uh, plan. So I'm all set, man. It's uh, it's it's a good day. It's sunny sunny Florida, and I love I love living. Living in the in in a in an area we get sun three hundred forty some days a year down here. So anyway, thanks thanks for uh, having me today. Yeah, it's the same way here in Ohio. It's always sunny and it's really nice. So in case you ever want to want to stop in for a day, we we have the same type of weather. Uh, but I, I know it well. Huh? 
So you kind of touched on the wrestling aspect a little bit, and that's one of our first questions that we want to jump into. You talked about how that played an important role in your life, and you share a special bond with anybody who's ever participated in the sport. So do you want to elaborate a little bit more on how the sport of wrestling has helped you become who you are today? Yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll never forget, um, I was an athlete all through grade school from, you know, I played football and, and basketball and baseball all, all, of, all of grade school. And when I went to um, high school, I only weighed about 100 pounds. I was, you know, barely five foot tall. And I was, you know, my father was looking at me. He's like, look, these, these, these football players, are, you're up against, you know, two, 300 pounders. You know, you could, you know, break something pretty easily. Want to, you know, look into other sports at, at school. And so I found out where I went to my, my school, it was all boys Catholic high school, that they were the first year ever that the school was going to have wrestling was my freshman year in high school. This was 1971. Uh, uh, um, and so uh, it was funny because Roger Stahlback had been a quarterback on the Purcell high school football team. So they had a lot of sports at the school. They had some great basketball stars, but they never had wrestling. So um, very, so I, I, I went into the wrestling program. I thought this is great because I'm, I'm small and, you know, energetic and, and, um, um, and want to, you know, get into, into, into sports. So my freshman year I enrolled for the wrestling and the, the very first practice that I went to, the coach came out and he said, look guys, he said, I got something very interesting to, to tell y'all. He said, I coach football and I'm, I'm now the coach of wrestling, but I've never wrestled in my life. And so he had a book that he said, we're going to learn this together. And he said, so let's turn to page, you know, one and let's, this is how we do a sit out. Okay. And I'll never forget that. Like, I'm like, I'm looking around thinking, wow, this is this not only, you know, is, 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 is this my first experience with wrestling, but this is the coach's first experience too. So from that standpoint, it was quite a learning curve, but it, the, the key thing that he was focused on was, you know, getting into, sh staying in shape, getting into shape, boot camps, the whole thing. And I, I felt like we went through SWAT, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, um, a SWAT team exercise to, you know, to, to get into shape and, you know, SEAL Team 6 kind of thing, because we, we literally would work out for hours a day. And, and it was more or less more like a gladiator kind of thing. Just get out there and see who can get the guy on his back first. And we weren't real good with the moves, but, you know, we were, you know, we, it was, we were in shape and we ran, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the very first day, so the school that we had, it had four stories and, it, and, and, and down to the basement. So we, we went over to back over, we had the gym and then we had to, went back over to the school and said, we're going to start in the basement. You run up the four stories to the top, you run down, that's one and we're going to do that a hundred times. That's the start of the day. So, I mean, when I think about the things that we did to get in shape, it was pretty amazing. Then we'd go run five miles, then we'd wrestle for two hours. And it was just, it was an unbelievable camaraderie and bonding experience with a team of people. And uh, the group of us that went, I wrestled varsity, you know, we had you know, different uh, uh, divisions, but I wrestled varsity from freshman year on. And it was, it was just an amazing experience and, and one of, you know, of really learning to pay your dues, have respect and, and develop a camaraderie with a core group of folks. And our senior year, uh, we finally, we got a good coach in 
sophomore, junior year, and finally started to pull a little team together. You know, while I, while I wasn't one of the, you know, necessarily, I didn't win state uh, any years that I played, but I, I got into, you know, like the top 10 of my, my division, my, my weight class in, in the state eventually. So it was, it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool experience. Definitely. Yeah, wrestling can really be a grind sometimes, especially when you're working out that long. Our next question focuses around one of your first major businesses, which you started with a $25,000 investment, and it grew to over $500 million of annual revenue and is a member of the New York Stock Exchange. Can you take us through the process of starting this business and some of the most critical steps that made your business successful? So so that the, that business that you talk about was, um, what, what I'll call it my first really serious business but and that you know that's when i got into the the infomercial space um i actually as a young entrepreneur i believe in mentors and my father was my mentor um he he was an entrepreneur when i was 11 i started working for him in his restaurant so you know sixth grade i started understanding the entrepreneurial process watching him build restaurants and working literally it was working a 40 hour week when i was you know, 11 years old. And so when I was 15, I started a driveway ceiling business. When I was a freshman in college, I started a heating and air conditioning company that grew to 25 employees and um, a million dollars in sales. And that was back in the late seventies. So, um, you know, so, so those were pre, you know, infomercial experiences. Then I, I started a uh, my third business was a business brokerage company where I sold businesses. I sold restaurants, nightclubs, uh, delicatessens, flower shops, car washes, laundromats, etc. And so that was business number three. That gave me the curiosity of understanding, hey, look, I got 200 businesses for sale. Now I have a chance to understand if I see something hot, I'm going to know it because I know percentages and, and food costs and rent costs. And, and I, I was understanding every small industry, you know, across the board, because I had their financial statements because I was selling their business. I had 200 listings, 14 uh, uh, brokerage uh, people working under me. So, um, and so we, we would help you. I would sell you the business. Then I assembled a team and I called it the small business center. I leased a whole floor of an office, uh, building in Cincinnati. And then I turned around and rented space to a lawyer, to an advertising agency, to an insurance company, to an accountant. And we sold you the business. That was all in one place, the small business center. You bought the business. We incorporated you. We did your books and records. We did your insurance. We did everything you needed, your graphics, your logos, your brochures, your TV commercials. And this was 1980 when I started this, the small business center. So, so now for 30 some years, five, 36 years, I've been helping small businesses start and grow and expand their business. And then I got in in 1984 with 25 grand, I started the infomercial side of the business. And that's the business that then grew to, um, to, to over $500 million in sales. So, so I think what I want to say is, it, you know, I didn't just like take 25 grand and go build a $500 million business. It, you know, at that point, you know, 1984, I was, you know, this is now 30 some years ago. I was, you know, in my upper 20s. So I already at that point had, you know, over 10 years of entrepreneurial experience of running small businesses, getting mentored by my father. So 
um, you know, I was, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'll call it lucky to have a father that really wanted me to be an entrepreneur. So um, I kind of joked that, you know, my mother wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer, but uh, the good news is I had two sisters that were older than me and one married a doctor, one married a lawyer. So I said, we got that covered in the family now so I can be the entrepreneur. So, uh, the, you know, the, the bottom line is, is that, but, you know, getting this advice along the way, having some previous experience. Like I realized when I started the heating and air conditioning business, that was very labor intensive. Did I want to do that my whole life? You know, no. And that's why curiosity, I sold that business and got into business brokerage. So, so what, what I experienced was things that I had been down the path of before. And then when I got into business brokerage, I had a chance to really look at dozens of industries look at really, okay, do I want to be in this industry? I, I definitely, after being in working in my father's restaurants, didn't want to really be in that restaurant business, which was a 60, 80 hour a week business that, you know, till two, three, four o'clock in the morning some nights, you know? So, um, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And then when I got into infomercials, I realized, yes, this is where I want to sink my time and effort. So, so that I started in the mid eighties and, we grew that into a huge company that became a New York Stock Exchange company and a uh, very exciting uh, uh, path for me and, and, you know, glad to, you know, then eventually get that phone call from Mark Burnett to, uh, to, to, to go on the show Shark Tank. That's really cool, Kevin. You know what I like the most about hearing that story is that when I first read about that initial $25,000 investment going to over $500 million annually, I couldn't really wrap my head around how somebody could do that right off the bat. But it's nice to be able to hear all the underlying experiences and the years that led up to creating such success like that, that quote unquote from the outside seems like an overnight success. But what I want to transition into next is that Mike and I have found that a lot of successful people surround themselves with other successful people. So what we wanted to know is who are your five closest friends and how did you meet these individuals? So, um, I mean, some of them are 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 people, you know, uh, from the old days, you know, back in you know, Cincinnati, where I was born and raised and being an Ohio boy, um, you know, so you always, you know, maintain friendships back to the early days. And so, you know, I, you know, one of the things that I talk about, and you mentioned five, and that's a very good number. Um, I, one of the things, you know, I'm hoping to impart some interesting facts and figures here today for our listeners. But, you know, I say that your, your net worth is equal to your network. Okay, so who do you network with? Who are your friends? Who are your business associates? And, you know, look around yourself and the top five people that you hang out with, both business wise and socially, are going to end up giving you an idea of how powerful and successful you can be. So if you're surrounded every day with people that aren't very successful, maybe you should think about that. So, um, you know, I like to surround myself like you know, I have, you know, friends from the old days and they're, you know, one of my buddies, Lee Robinson, he runs a big real estate company in Cincinnati. He's a key person of influence in real estate in Cincinnati. He's got, he gets, he, he, he gets the listings from the big Procter and Gamble exec executives. And when they're coming to town to buy a big house, they call Lee. He gets the ball players, the, from the Bengals to the Reds. And so, uh, you know, I like surrounding myself with the best of the best in any industry. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, uh, one of the things I pride myself on is, is not just 
I, I don't just focus on business. I, I also believe you need a well-rounded life. You need family life and you need, you know, social time. You need private time. You need, um, you need, you need to also give back to the world. So um, I started an organization in Cincinnati called the Cincinnati Fundraisers. And this was back in 1983 or 84. And it was a, a nonprofit charity um, that was a singles club. And, and, um, and it's F-U-N Razors. You know, so it's like, hey, you're single. You, you can join the club. We're going to donate all the proceeds to Cancer Research Children's Hospital. We've raised over a million dollars now. And it's, it's been around for a lot of years. And I've lost touch with it a few years ago because I'm, I'm a married man. But, um, you know, and, and so the bottom line is, is that I believe that, you know, I do a lot of, of, of these kinds of things here in uh, Tampa, St. Pete. You know, I have fundraisers for the art museums and for the, sh the homeless and the shelters and Moffitt Cancer and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I surround myself with people that I want to hang with people that can fire me up. You know, one of my good friends here in the St. Pete area, uh, he ran an $18 billion company um, called Jable. And it's a circuit board company. They make part parts for Apple, et cetera. And they have 150,000 employees and factories all around the world. So I just went to Michigan and hung out with him for three or four days with my wife and his wife and got a chance to hang out, play golf. He's on a bunch of different boards. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's very cool to be able to hang with the right kind of people that inspire you, motivate you, and take you to the next level. Definitely. And, uh, you know, that all sounded pretty good, except that part about going to Michigan. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he went to Michigan State, actually. You okay, know? That's, that's fine. Then. Um, but, yeah, so uh, one of our last questions we want to ask is uh, – Jumping into the Shark Tank business is what's the most successful business that you've ever partnered with through Shark Tank? So, um, you know, and, and, and I'll say this, I, I did 175 segments on Shark Tank, which was um, turned out to be uh, five segments to a one hour show, 35 one hour shows. They all still run on CNBC. So I'm excited that um, that, it, you know, my brand still continues uh, to, to, to air on CNBC. It's three hours a night every every five nights a week on CNBC, which is very good for me. Plus, Shark Tank is now launching in countries around the world. I'm getting a ton of calls now from India. Shark Tank just launched in India. So, um, you know, I was on the phone yesterday with a group out of India that has been watching all the early episodes of Shark Tank. So, so now in the earlier days, you know, no one knew what it was. When I told my wife, I said to my wife, hey, I got this call from Mark Burnett, and, I, you know, Mark told me he's doing this show, um, Shark Tank, but I come out to see him. And I, and I, and I, and I said, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to go out there because I know Mark Burnett produces that show Survivor, and I'm like, you know, I know what they do to people on the Survivor Island. Do I want to be on a show called Shark Tank with Mark Burnett? You know, so I'm like, what are they going to do to me, right? I'm thinking, my wife's like, well, Kevin, you don't even fish. Why would you get involved with a, a fishing show called Shark Tank, right? And so, no, I said, it's a business show, right? So, you know, so you got to remember 2008, eight years ago, when I got that phone call, nobody knew what Shark Tank was. It was, it was a business show, and God bless, I did the show, and it turned out to be a really great move for me, but... At the end of the day, I did 
a ton of deals, a bunch of them that worked, some of them didn't, and crazy things happen. I, I you know, put a bunch of people on HSN and QVC, had amazing success with a couple things, but one of the craziest ones and probably one of the coolest ones and was also pretty successful was a product called City Kitty, and it was a cat toilet training product, and just very crazy and funny, you know, for something like that to, um, to be millions of dollars in sales. Um, you know, so I just, you know, that, you know, when I tell people that that was one of my big winners, they're like, you, you know, the, the one where the cat jumps on the toilet, like they did in the movie, you know, meet the Fockers. So, um, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I mean, that was it. And that, you know, it, because of the, the, the viral nature of that product, um, you know, we, we did a little spot for it. We got it into Walgreens and various retail stores. We went to, you know, different trade shows. We got it on Good Morning America, The View, et cetera. It was a cool, lot of fun concept, and we made a lot of money on that one. So I appreciate you asking me the, the details, but that was one of my favorites. Yeah, and it's not hard to see why that would be one of your favorites. But the last question that we'd like to transition to before we let you go is a phrase we built this podcast around, which is living uncomfortably. We'd like to hear what those words mean to you and if you've ever had a period in your life or periods in your life where you've had to live uncomfortably to get to where you are today. Yes, absolutely. I mean, every part of entrepreneurship is an evolution. Um, it's growing through uh, things that, you know, uh, that you don't want to do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I, I do like today, my wife, she's over in London right now. She was just in the Arctic circle up in Svalbard, Norway. And she's called this morning. She says, what's on your calendar today? And I said, I've got, you know, like 12 conference calls today, kind of back to back to back to back all day. Some of them very exciting and opportunities and new businesses and others that are solving problems and dealing with issues and dealing with uncomfort. Um, you know, some of them that I, I absolutely wish I didn't have to do and where you've got to, you know, tell people, uh, you know, that, that you, you know, you got to change things around in a deal that doesn't make sense or, or we're out of cash on one of our businesses and we got to deal with, with issues of, of, you know, what do we do? How are we going to make payroll in this company? Right. Cause you know, yeah, everybody, um, you know, I, I have interest in 25 companies doesn't mean that I just say to all of them, here's all the money that you need, you know, go spend it all right. You got to make your, make your budgets and some deals, are, are tough. So, I mean, in, in, in my business, as I morphed into this shark tank guy and all of that, I had to learn how to speak in front of crowds. I, I was getting invitations to go in front of 5,000 people. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to say? Okay. Like, Hey, would you come speak to our audience? It's like, well, how many people are going to be there? I'm like, Oh, well, you got 5,000 people that are going to be there. I'm like my, one of my first events was at the Moscone center in San Francisco. And there was 5,000 people there. And this is 2009. I had just gone on shark tank and I'm like, what, what am I going to say? You talk about uncomfort. You know, I, I had to learn real fast how to be good in front of a crowd because you're the guy on shark tank. You can't get up and flub it. Right. So, you know, what did I do? I hired coaches and mentors and speech writers. And, you know, it's taken me now, you know, five, six, seven years to learn how to be comfortable in front of a crowd. So, and, you know, hey, look, I wasn't a public speaker. It wasn't my business. So, you know, if, you know, and now I can command big fees and six figure fees to go in front of a crowd because, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm great, but I'm a lot better than I was 
in 2009. So, you know, um, dealing with the uncomfortable situations is part of being an entrepreneur. And I actually had to think about this, that if the more things that you deal with that are are gut-wrenching and difficult to deal with on a day-to-day basis is probably going to be is, is going to be also equal to how big and successful you are because most people shy from that uncomfort. And when they shy from it, they're not handling things that need to be handled. And they're, they're, they're leaving things on the table or, or letting people do things they shouldn't continue to do in a business. So, uh, which is means less profits and less success. So uncomfort to me is a, is a direct relation to profitability and success and big success. And I, and I love the motto and I, and I applaud you guys for, for having that as one of your, as one of your bylines of your company. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate that. And uh, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap things up. I know you got a lot to do today. We appreciate having you on the show though, and taking some time to talk to us and two guys out of Columbus. And if you ever stop through the city, you want to strap on your shoes again, give us a holler and uh, (laughs) we can roll around a little bit. We'll do some takedowns. How about that? That sounds good. good. Okay, guys. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Look forward to meeting you someday. Don't be a stranger. Let's, let's, Let's meet real soon. And congratulations on your entrepreneurship. And thanks for having me today. You can drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment. And I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning. But I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt. But you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.